if there's some sort of defeat or some sort of, you know, no or um, something that you've had, like take what you can from it, salvage it and move on. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. April has been the month of huge in France. Last week, I was lucky enough to sit down with our lead and the inspiration for the show, Gad Elmaleh. If you haven't heard that one, go check it out. And today, I have the pleasure of talking with Gad's baby mama on the show, the hysterical Erin Hayes. I'll keep the description brief because we discuss a lot of her journey together, but The big thing to keep an eye on relating to the overall spirit of overcoming 10,000 no's as it pertains to Aaron's story is her abrupt departure from a television show just as she was about to uproot her family and move them across the country. Yes, folks, this is an occupational hazard for actors. It's happened to me. I have been replaced. But the way it happened to Aaron, the way she was told or not told actually to leave is bananas. But they say that success is the best revenge, and after the initial shock and depression over the loss of a regular paycheck, Erin picked herself up and got back in the game. Luckily for us, not only did she succeed in landing the role of Vivian in Huge in France, but shortly after we wrapped, Netflix decided to give Erin and her former co-star from the cult favorite adult swim series Animal Hospital, Rob Hubel, a spinoff of their own with the upcoming comedy Medical Police, a real-life mom and wife when she's not juggling her career duties or renovating houses. Aaron tears the notion of the glamorous Hollywood life down to the studs and talks about overcoming her own 10,000 no's. Here she is, my friend, co-star Aaron Hayes. I guess one of the questions I have for you is, were you one of these kids that was from like four years old, you knew this is what you were going to do. Cause you strike me as very yes. funny. You were, yeah. I totally was. I mean, I was the, per- I've always been the performer kid, um, like doing plays since I was very young. I always knew that I wanted to act, uh, did all the plays in high school and then strangely chose a college because it had a good it was close to snowboarding. Like, <laughs> like I don't, sometimes I think I was like, I did more research on where my kids went to kindergarten than I ever did on where I was going to go to college. I didn't, I knew I wanted to study theater. I knew they had a theater program, but I didn't look into it. Yeah. You know, I didn't specifically choose the school. And then when I got to university of Colorado, I went to Boulder and someone was like, oh, do you come for the theater program? And I go, no, is it good? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, it's like one of the best BFA is in the country. Are you going to audition? I was like, oh, what is it? Yeah, I'm going to do that. And kind of stumbled into this, got very lucky at that age, stumbled into a good theater program 
studied that and was like, I'm going to, you know, move back to San Francisco because it has more integrity than Los Angeles. I'd never been to LA. And, um, like moved back to San Francisco, did a play, was miserable, and then moved to LA. It was, it was like this shining light of like, oh, this is where I should be if I want to work in this industry. Yeah. Uh, so God, it did that, but had known the whole time since being a kid. I was like, this is what I love to do. Like how old were you when you... Um, I think I was probably like eight years old when I did my first play, like The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then was like theater camps when I could. And uh, we had a great community theater program where I grew up. And so starting in, I think, fifth grade, we were doing... It was like, you know, kind of what doesn't exist in at least L.A. public schools now is a theater program where you actually do Oklahoma and My Fair Lady. And starting from early on, you know, was the lead in all these plays. So, like... Sometimes I'm like, oh, my glory days of musical theater were like in fifth, sixth and seventh grade, yeah. you know, playing Eliza Doolittle and Laurie in Oklahoma. <laughs> and were you always because because you are really uh, naturally very funny. Were you Thank was you. that something you're welcome? Was that something that you kind of uh, was recognized early on or did you kind of not that discriminate was, as far as like what you wanted to do. Cause I mean, I'm not, no, imagining- I definitely didn't think of myself as a comedic actress, uh, probably until I started getting work here in Los Angeles. I just wanted to do anything. I love all of it. Uh, and trained in all of it. Um, but you know, once you get in certain doors, those are the doors that continue to open for you yeah. and it becomes increasingly harder to get the other doors open. So, once I got enough doors open in comedy and saw that in comedy, I was a little bit more of a commodity, I guess. Yeah. You know, people responded a little quicker, a little faster. I got more more out of it when I went down the comedy road. I still seek out drama whenever I can, but yeah. you know, my, my, my representation has to work a little harder to get me seen for that. Yeah. Which is something that people that I want, you know, people that listen, uh, a lot of, there are a lot of young actors and they don't necessarily realize that you could look at someone's career and go, Oh, well, she's just got, you know, things are coming easily to yeah. her. It's like, but then you have this whole other section that you're interested in that yeah. now you're almost a victim of your own success. Yeah. I remember, I remember not like there was this whole conversation for a guest star on what, you know, maybe it was like a, some Steven Bochco uh, drama, like the one where like, it's a crime a week kind of thing. Like right. this is not, you look at the people on there and you're like, you're not getting huge huge, like famous people as guest stars, you won't even see me. You're not even going to give me three minutes of your time to come and try to cry in your office so that I can be dead mother, you know, (laughs) like number two on the call sheet or whatever. Like, you're not like, I can't, it's like, I just did this X, Y, and Z and I can't Come in your office for five minutes. So what's your response to that? What do you, like, how do you deal with that? You, you hit a wall yeah. and do you just go, all right, whatever, I'll keep going doing this comedy or 
I know you've written. I know you're writing right now. You've got a screenplay that yeah. I believe has comedic elements in it, but it's also got it's some, more of a drama, more for of sure. a drama. So that's one of the reactions. But that's now like, how have you kind of dealt with it along the way when you when you come up against a wall or, or people say no to you? What's your M.O. or like, like what's your I guess kind of- my thing is just to start to keep having the conversations with my representation to be like, what what what's out there? what is it? Let's try for this. Like, or, you know, if you're coming up on a pilot season to be like, hit the dramas hard, let's hit it. And like the people that will see me, I will go and like dance for them and just chip away slowly at that wall. And then you get one part and you're like, okay, we'll send them that tape. You know, I cry in that. Look at, look at, I'm like, you know, I, my baby was dying. My baby was dying. Those are real tears. Like, come on, you know? So then they get, you got to just milk the, what you got and, and just slowly chip away at that wall. That's the thing until you get that like one thing that maybe gets a little bit more views. So people will start to see you in both ways. Well, funny because before we started recording, um, and we don't have to go into this here, but you were telling me something, you have a beautiful house here that you and your husband like built and, 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 or rebuilt, I would say. Right. Um, and I was asking about it and even the way you guys did that was resourceful. Yeah. Like like it was a real, like it's a real, uh, look into you and the way you operate that it's like, it's beautiful, but you kind of, you. Oh, I'll work within the system. You hustle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You hustle. I'll work within the system and get kind of anything that we can, especially like housewise, you know, we will, I will salvage from every yard or construction site or whatever we can get our hands on. And my husband working in construction helps that way. But I mean, I guess if you're looking at it in terms of career wise, and this may be to my detriment that I have never gone in and like tried to change the system. Like I I still don't understand how anybody gets a freaking movie made. It seems like now when I watch movies, I I see them as these like miracles up on screen because there's so many roadblocks that are put in your way towards making anything. Um, so, but I will like slow dodge around and just try to get anything. I but can. what do you mean when you say that? Like you, you to your detriment, you don't like change the system. Like what's an example? Like, of I don't know. Well, overhauled the system. You mean like, like well, Matt Damon people, and Ben Affleck, like that kind of thing? Where I guess. Are you looking in terms of like the Duplass kind of model of things of just like, I don't know. It's more of a conversation. I think about who I am, like deep in my soul, like do we, that this, I have this conversation a lot. I'm like, well, am I the suit? Like, am I going to go and get this thing produced and have all these conversations about money? And then my like body wants to curl up and, and hide right. because I, then I go, well, why is it not okay to just be an actor anymore? Like, can't I just be an actor? Yeah. Can't I just fight for auditions and get in rooms and impress people so that I can change their mind one person at a time? Do I have to create this dramatic masterpiece that I produce and, you know, sell one of my children to get the money for? Like, do I have to be that person? Maybe I do. And one day then, you know, 
Well, yeah. I might have to do that. Well, I, I think like actually this. I'm gonna it's, sell it's the great. blonde one. <laughs> You're gonna what? I'm gonna sell the blonde. The blonde one. one. Yeah. She's out. and the redhead's hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it's interesting sitting down with you at this particular point in your career because uh, you and I met doing Huge in France, yes. which uh, is a Netflix comedy series, comes out April 12th. Um, Stream you, it. Stream yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a little plug for us. Yeah. No, but 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 I we've talked about seeing some of the footage. We're really excited about it. Yeah, you never know. I think you're hysterical in it. And I feel also the same grounded. about you. Thank you, thank you. This is all just a commercial for us. Yeah. Um, we but 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 it, you're hysterical and grounded, and it is a role that. You just, you, we, you never know. Then you have this, you have Children's Hospital, which you did for how many years? How many seasons? We did um, seven seasons on Adult Swim. On Adult Swim. Swim. And yeah. that, those were 11 minutes. 11 minutes, like 10, 14 episode seasons. So 140 uh, episodes. Yeah. And now there's, uh, would you call it a spinoff? It is. It's you? for sure a spinoff okay. called Medical Police. And it's Netflix uh, as well. Netflix. Who knows when that comes out. You By the time Rob this Hubel. airs, this drops, uh, we will have finished shooting it. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. So you have these two things that may yeah. be... You know, that's the crazy thing right? that people like, listening don't looking. know and they don't know. It's like, and, and we're going to get into your, a little bit, I want to get into your Kevin Can Wait story because yeah. I think people need to hear this, that this, this is what, whatever business I sit down with people in all different businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs, athletes, and it's the same for everyone, but it's definitely yeah. there for us. The, what you have to overcome. Here's what I and, Here's what I will say about these two Netflix shows. Like, I'm excited about it. You're excited about it. We've seen bits of it, and it looks good. But what I don't trust these days, because I've had so many experiences like this that just don't pan out, is that energy and that vibe where people are like, wait till the world sees this. Everything's going to change. And when I see people like on sets nowadays who are maybe a little younger or they don't have as many credits, they haven't been working as long, uh, get that thing. And I'm like, don't buy the car, buddy. Don't uh, tamp it, tamp it down, tamp it down. Because like to get all excited about that and have it not happen or have it just not really do what they thought. Or you look at the final product, you're like, uh, I have yet to have that kind of expectation met, met. Yeah. Honestly, met like, other than Children's Hospital, which had its own little cult following and um, to this day remains one of my favorite things I've ever done, everything else was like super hyped, like wait till everybody sees this show, you know, yeah. and then it got canceled within the first season or wait till they said this is going to be huge. You definitely need a publicist for this one. Yeah. Um, nope. Uh, <laughs> you know, I am like the queen of the one season shows. Yeah. Well, and then the only time I got a second season, I was fired. Right. Which, <laughs> I'm like, oh god. We, uh, which I really, I really yeah. want to get into. Yeah, sure. But, but, but before that, what I was going to say was, as I had this conversation with my agent yesterday, I said I saw this. I really like it. The creators really like it. What I, what I can, the only thing I can walk away with is when we did it, I had a great time and felt like we were making something that was funny and special, right? Yeah. Now I've had that before and then I've seen the thing and I'm always like, ah, oh. this yeah. one, I watched the footage and I was like, huh, huh. they yeah. did what I experienced. And I'm like, that's good. So now I just go, 
you, you know, I've kind of forgotten about it since we since yeah. we wrapped. And then I saw that and I got excited and I'm trying to zap my memory so I don't. I know. But what Isn't I it- can walk away with is this. I said at the very least, I think it's really good. I think it's really funny. I think people that I am friends with that I like yeah. will find it funny. I have no idea if it finds an audience, but I can at least go like, I'm going to be proud of it. Yeah. Whether or not it gets seen, that's a whole other that's all can I of care worms. About we can't control that point. though. We can't uh, control yeah, it. Yeah, we can't. What so. I care about is, did I have fun on set? Am I proud of my work? Did the check clear? One, <laughs> two, three. Anything above that. Is boom. Uh, it's great. If like those three things happen for me, had fun, proud of my work, check cleared, then anything else is bonus. Yeah. yeah. And I can't count on anything else because so it's such a weird game that we play because you're so excited and you can't deny the excitement in your body about things but you play this stupid game with yourself where you're like i'm not i'm not excited yeah no it probably won't go we probably won't do another one it's you know it'll probably just sit in there and some people will like it and some people won't and then it will disappear yeah um but then when you hear news that it didn't go or that it did go that's when you realize how much hope you'd been holding in your body because you're either like devastated and everything drains out of you or you're so bubbly and excited. You're like, oh my God, I guess that was there the whole time. Yeah. It's the, it's such a weird. The thing is, it doesn't matter what you do. It will be what it will be. And I've had both stances. I've done the one where like, eh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And it didn't really happen or, or it happened to some degree. And I've done the one where I'm really excited and it doesn't happen to that degree. And it almost, it almost doesn't matter, but it, it, it's, you can't guard yourself against it. And in a way, my stance right now is like, you know, you get hammered down so many times as an yeah. actor that when you have something that you feel good about, why not celebrate it a little bit? You know, you're going to get hammered down again at some point. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so good, why, that's why good. not kind of celebrate it? Like, yeah. like between now and then act like it's a huge win and you get hammered down. Like even if you were lying to yourself, then you didn't even enjoy it and you got hammered down. It's like, why not go like, all right, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's going to be great. And then you, you know, it's the, the fall is a little further, but it's still a fall. Cause you're lying yeah. to yourself. If you say that you, it's you, you can't, you can't do this or you can't launch a business. If you're an entrepreneur who's listening, you can't, you can't launch, launch a business and not care about it. Yeah. No, I, I and don't you think, shouldn't, you know, and it's, I, I mean, I think my, my mindset in it, which you have seemed like you have a much better mindset that keeps you more positive. Um, like I'm all in my thing is always like, why, why, why couldn't it succeed? Why, why, why wouldn't I get the part? You have to go in thinking it's going to be a huge success. And then at the same time, that's what I always say. I always say, you know, hope for the best, expect the worst, expect the worst, which does can free you up. Yeah. If you like, "Ah, nobody's ever going to see this, but I'm going to have a great time and try to do my best. Right. You know, or if it's an audition, like I'm probably not going to get it, but you know, for these couple minutes, the part is mine and they have to watch me do it. So I may as well like have fun and, and also why not me? Right. Why that person? Why not? Right. You know? Like someone's got it. I mean, this happened. Someone's got to get it. Why not me? This happened over, we were in New York, uh, over Christmas and we were late to get to a restaurant to meet the rest of the family. And we pull in and it's a packed parking lot and the front spot, like right near the door to go in was open. And I was like, why not us? Yeah. Someone's got to have, <laughs> someone's got to have that parking someone's spot. Have it. Why can't we get it? Yeah. You know? I do and find- I, think, I think it's a little bit of that. It's like, it's, it, the, the dial goes around at some point. If yeah. you stay in the game long enough, 
once in a while, it's you. It points on you, or yeah. it doesn't. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I feel very lucky that I have had it point at me a bunch. Of, like I haven't wanted for. I've had work, which is great, and you know, have reached, have had, uh, you know, small portion of success within that work. But it's more than a small where, portion. But yes, I understand what where you're saying, your mind but... goes when there is no work, or yeah. if you keep maintaining that. What am I trying to say? I guess like what you're saying, like that, that hopeful thing, if you let it get too high, then the fall is. Well, you know what? I think a key. Yeah. The fall, the is, fall is low. Is, yeah. I it's mean, my, what I always do is I like take one day yep. and I will cry and I will not leave my bed or I will just be like, I'm going to take today and really feel it because if I don't feel it, I'm going to bury it and take the day. And then tomorrow I'll get up and I'll, you know. Set me up for another audition and what else is out there and, yeah. you know, that kind of feel the disappointment and move on. Yeah. If I don't, then it's just like a bottle set. Yeah, then it just stays crazy. With you. The, the other thing that I've found is like, I mean, this podcast is a perfect example or writing a script, which we're both doing now yeah. is another example, is what can I control that and and you can't really control that either because the podcast yeah. people still need to listen to it. So everything I'm doing relies yeah, on other right. people. But yeah. I think that's just the deal, you know. So it's like a script. Yeah, I could write it on my own. Nobody can tell me not to write. Then again, when I want to go make it, I've got to convince people to give me money and convince yeah. actors to be in it and all of that. So it's always relying on other people. But I think the more I, I've found, the more that I can do that's within my control the more I can kind of yeah. maintain a steady balance. Otherwise I'm, if all my eggs are in the basket that's controlled by them, then I'm really screwed. Yeah. You and know? it is the last few years for me, um, you know, and with, I will count later thirties into early forties, which is where I am. Don't tell Hollywood. Um, <laughs> She's really, uh, she's really 28, but she's, uh, just look super old, um, is wrapping my head around luck and how much of this business and any business is hard work, the talent to do the thing you're working hard at. And then there's that element of luck. Mm -hmm. And I have so many friends who have not gotten the kind of luck I have. And then I have a ton of other friends who I'm like, you lucky son of a bitch. You just, you didn't know when you went in for project XYZ that it was going to be this huge thing. You're not like, you're talented, but you're not any more talented than a ton of other actors I know. Directors, yeah. insert whatever. You just got lucky. And after a while, as you slowly get older in this industry, you go like, did I miss it? Like, did I miss the luck? Was I not in the right place at the right time? I guess I'm just going to keep hoping for it, keep being ready for it. Yeah. So that I can know what to do with it when I get it. But there's that thing of like, shit, where's, where's that, where's that bit of luck? That's the, yeah. And, and that's the part you just cannot control. No. And you, you can control, I, I think. You can control how much you put yourself out there. Yeah. That's so, the I, so I think control. that's what you can control. And again, I keep coming back to that. Like, what can I control? What can I control? All you can control is like, do you get up to the plate again? 
Do you get up to the plate and you, are you ready for it when you get it? Right. Like stay and like stay, stay ready. ready. So, so that's when I go, you know, and it's the old, uh, what's the, the old saying it's uh, when, when preparation meets opportunity, the challenge, I think, and like the demons that sounds like get to you. I know they get to me and I know they get to like every other actor I know is when you are in the trough, when you're in the valley. When you are eight months without a oh, single man. day of work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're, you're just, you're, when I think about the huge in France that we did together and my role, yeah. I actually think the reason I got that role was the awful, awful period I went through right before it. Between I didn't Goliath, work for eight months same here. before that. I had Not done my Goliath. Day. I loved, and then I couldn't get work. I literally broke my hand punching a wall because I was so frustrated. Are you and I, dad? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, 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 what ended up being a good story, but it wasn't in the, when I was in the middle of that. Yeah. But what ended up being a good story is that I think what I brought to that you're that certainly in the right headspace was, for was, it. Was, yeah, like that guy was full of desperation and angst and he yeah. was pathetic and a lot of weight. And I like, I had that in spades, unfortunately, but at least it was, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to pour it into a role. But like that, it, it is, it is rough. So I, yeah. what I want to, I want to hear and I want people to oh, hear this because yeah. this is, this is like, wherever you are listening right now, I'm just going to talk to you directly because you could be running, you could be at the gym, you could be in your car, whatever. This story, you know, you hear us going back and forth. You hear all the ups and the downs and everything. But Aaron, Aaron's story with, with Kevin Can Wait is like, it's like you actually did the thing. You got, quote, lucky. Yeah. And then walk us through that. Well, it was interesting. That job came after a significant dry spell as well. I mean, the I The recurring was, theme is that we both yeah. have many significant dry spells. <laughs> significant dry spells, uh, which is weird as an actress getting older in Hollywood. They're just getting longer. Um, that was, and it was one of these things. It was during pilot season and they sent me the script and it was like this Kevin James. I'm like, I don't know that I want to go be Kevin James's wife. I don't want to be. That sounds like a really typical sitcom wife. Passed on it. It came back with a totally different script. And I was like, oh, hey, look, she's funny. So went out, like flew, met him, met all the guys. And I was like, all right, I can bro down with these guys. You know, I can be a, I can play with that energy. You know, got it. We got, had this huge time slot. It was his big return to television. Moved myself to New York to do it. Was like kind of struggled through this eight months of being gone from my family for three weeks, home for a week, gone for three weeks, home for a week, which is how they shoot sitcoms. Um, and like, again, I had never had a proper second season. Every I've done a number of sitcoms. Uh, I've been very lucky in that way, but it would always be like, you know, a sitcom is 22 episodes a season. I would get 18 yeah. I'd get 14, I'd get six, I'd get, you know, it was like never had, number one, a full season. Um, and we got a full season and then they ordered two more. And it was like, oh my God, this is actually happening. It was a decently fun job, you know, every job has its things. Um, and then we got picked up for a second season and was like, oh my God, like it's actually happened. We're doing it. I, uh, found an apartment. My whole family was going to move out. We got this like apartment that only a network paycheck could afford, you know, like, uh, 
told the told the principal at my kid's school that we were pulling him out. My husband quit his job. We bought a pop-up trailer to go cross country. Uh, we started paying rent on the apartment on June 1st. And on June 2nd, I got fucking fired. <laughs> like, a, out of the blue. Like, it took, shook me to my core. I am, like... I've never been fired before. I'd never been fired like that before. I've had tons of pilots not go. I've had tons of project projects, excuse me. I've had tons of projects fall apart, but I have never just been unceremoniously shit canned. <laughs> and like, also it was my manager that called me. Like nobody they from the show called me. They didn't. And it was very, it was it really like, I mean, I couldn't stop crying for a couple of days. I just was like shook. And it was, cra- I, you know, I think like I got like a message or a text from the showrunner at the time it was like, if you want to talk. And I tried calling him once and he didn't answer and then was like, I don't need to talk to that guy. Um, but, you know, never got a text or a call from the big man. Uh It was just weird. It was very weird. And I know that it really was mostly like, I know it was mostly him and Les Moonves because I think uh, there was a lot of, I don't, uh, ultimately, I don't think it had anything to do with me. I think it had to do with what they expected from the show, what they thought the show would deliver, what it was not delivering and what the two of them thought the only plan of action was, was obviously everybody needs him and Leah Remini back. Right. And heaven forbid there's two females on a show, so we got to get rid of the other one. We'll just kill her and nobody will care. Right. Um, you know, the po- and it, but I realized quickly afterwards when I kind of calmed down a little bit, took my time to be sad, that was like, it wasn't, necessarily even the job that I was sad about losing. It was my ego getting fired. It was the money, like network television pays well. And it was like this New York adventure that my family was going to take, you know, like, I was like, we're going to move. We're going to live in like the city. We're going to have an apartment. We're going to have like, it's going to be fun. We're going to go to PS, whatever. Um, and then I had to laugh. I was like, oh my God, I took a job for the money. And then I got treated like a disposable commodity. So why am I surprised about that? I shouldn't be surprised about that. Um, That's a really interesting way to look at it. It's yeah. like, the, it, you know. Um, I didn't go into it going like, this is, the this is it. This is yeah. the, this is my, like this character, you know, I'm not. This isn't killing Eve. This is like yeah. something really, this is a sitcom wife. I went into it for a paycheck. Yeah. And then. And then lost that paycheck. And then lost and it, that and paycheck. And it hurts. Yeah. It hurts, but, but it's, but it's unbelievable because it's, it's like you did all, you jumped through all of the hoops that need to be jumped through. It went, it goes. And then for no yeah. real reason that has to do with you, it goes away. And, but I, I do think in retrospect, like that's really valuable for you to, discover like, yeah. Oh, I did it for the paycheck. I got treated like I was a number, like I was yeah. a part of their budget and that's it. And it's like, 
I don't know, on some level, and maybe I've been doing too much of this podcast, but I feel like it's a, it's like lessons from the universe. It's like, yeah, that's not for whatever reason, that was the deal. That was the lesson you need to learn at the time. And I look at you right now, I'm like the show we did together. And then the, the other that you're about to do, I'm like, to me, way cooler. Well, yeah. Maybe not as much money, but it's a network show, but (laughs) maybe, um, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, it's interesting because, yeah, I, I have, it is funny because before I took that job, I kept saying, I don't want to do sitcom wife anymore. I don't want to do the sitcom wife. The sitcom wife is not satisfying. It doesn't, it's all about him. It's always all about him. Even though they, they try to sell it. You're just a way for America to love the guy that is not inherently lovable. Because if you love him, then shouldn't the audience love him. It's, it's a little, it's a trick. (laughs) Um, and so there's, it's not like as a performer, it's not ultimately incredibly satisfying. It's fun. Yeah. Sitcoms are great. They're so much fun to work on, but, uh, that, you know, and I've worked on ones where that are more of a character that are more satisfying as a performer. Um, doesn't mean I didn't want to do a second season. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah but it's funny. It was a big, it was a long, like emotional comeback from that longer w- than other ones. What I love and I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put a link to at least one of these stories. Cause there were many, I, you know, when I was getting ready to talk to you like entertainment weekly and all oh, these different so outlets, many. so many stories about this that if you're interested in hearing, or maybe there'll even be just a, a soundbite we can play. But the sentiment that I, I heard was like, everybody anything. was on, yeah, everybody was on your side. They're like, how, how could this happen? And, you know, ultimately it's like, you're, I think you end up being better, stronger for it, but you know, what a yeah. rough thing to go through, you know? Yeah. Uh, the positive of it was that, Honestly, getting fired was the most press I've ever gotten. And because that was, and there were certain elements within, you know, the studio and the network, because it really became clear to me that with the people who did reach out, um, friends from the studio and the network, that uh, that they didn't have a whole lot of say in it. And the show that I got right afterwards that Brian Cranston produced, Dangerous Book for Boys, was almost like, Sony's way of like, we, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. And I got, and it was, that job was like this like soul healing kind of one. It was a, it was such a balance because then I went on to this job where it was all about character and it was all about real emotions and it was the mom and it was the wife, but it was so very, um, like a, it was healing. It was yeah. a healing kind of show where I got to go on and really dig into a script and dig into the character's experience. And with creators who really wanted the truth of that, yeah. you know, Brian Cranston is so deeply committed to truth and character and experience. So getting to work under him was, was perfect for that 
time in my life. Kevin yeah. James, yeah. in my opinion, looking back, did you a favor. Like he killed off the sitcom wife in you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like yeah, he like maybe. took you. Yeah. You were like, I don't want to do this. And yeah. he took you out of your misery. And there and there you go. And now you're doing much more interesting yeah. things. It's, I'd be it's a sitcom kind of, wife if it's her story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and where I have a sitcom husband. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, I want to give you a, a couple of questions. Okay. The, complete this sentence. The word no actually means what? Oh, God. The word no. I mean, I don't... I don't... I don't know. I, that, I can't wrap my head around the word no because... I'm not even completing the sentence. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I mean, do the you take it no. for what it's worth? Do you take it like when someone tells you no, are you just like, okay, I'll go back to my corner or it doesn't sound like that. I I, I might, I might take it just, I mean, I guess the word no just means find a different yes. Yeah. You know, get like, just let it go quickly and move on. Yeah. M- means move on. Move on. Move on to the next opportunity. Which is what you did, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. It takes longer than other times. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so right now, yeah. Um, you can think it could be a book title, film title, a song or a lyric or a quote. First, first words or first phrase that pops in your mind. Oh, just any? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh God! First, uh, oh well, the only because I'm reading it right now, as I guess, and it pertains to this is "Salvage the Bones." Um, that's the book I'm reading right now, and I haven't even figured out what it means in that book, but it might pertain to this conversation. It's yeah. like if there's some sort of defeat or some sort of you know no or um, something that you've had, like take what you can from it, salvage it, and move on. I love that. Cause that's what you did also going back full circle to the yeah. house. And I don't know oh, if yeah. it's like, I don't uh, know if that's a building book or a real estate book, but that's no, like it's what not. You- it's a book by Jessamine Ward who wrote uh, sing unburied sing. It's she's it, a wonderful writer and it's more about like a family of brothers and sisters in the South. I love that. Yeah. Salvage the bones. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, and last thing, if you could, give advice to your younger self, what age would you intervene and what would the advice be? Oh, I've thought about that. It would be early twenties and it would be, don't stop waiting. Like don't, don't just believe the hype that people are saying, just get a little hungrier because I think Career wise, there was moments in my twenties where I was like, all right, I got to deal with a studio. I can just sit back and wait for something good to come to me instead of digging in. You know, I didn't wait until like my mid thirties to try to write something for myself, to try to be more like I keep, there was so long that I personally was very involved in like sketch comedy, but, and, and improv, but I didn't go I didn't dive in the way I should have. I, but it's, it's hard because you can't like, because then at the same time in my twenties, I was like in my relationship with my husband now getting serious, got married early thirties. We had kids. So 
I wouldn't trade any of that, but I wish I had just been a little hungrier, fought a little harder, even though good things were coming. Don't just sit on those good things because those good things didn't pan out to the, you know, necessarily to that bit of luck. That's awesome. Yeah. And I would. It's weird though. Like the nose that you set up for yourself. Yeah. Which are important. Like in my early thirties, when I had my kids, I put, I put a lot of constraints on my career. I wouldn't work out of town. Which I think are good. I didn't work out of town. I didn't want to do, you know, I really actively sought a sitcom because I could still be home in the mornings and the evenings. I didn't want to do something, but I took away a lot of opportunities for myself that now I'm opening back up because they're a little older. Um, and then you just get a job to cure themselves. (laughs) Um, but there's some of them that I put on myself in my twenties before I even had kids. And I was like, why was I doing that? Right. Why am I not going out for that? Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to it. Even having a podcast called 10,000 no's makes me think about how many no's were external and how many were and continue to be internal yeah. no's where I thwart myself before I even There were certain shot. auditions I didn't go on because I didn't feel like I could do a good job. Put your shit together, Aaron. Just work a little harder and find it. Like I, w- I was like, no, nope, I don't, I don't feel that. I'm not going in. Like what? Why would I take away opportunities to work? Like it wasn't like anybody knew who I was. Yeah. You could go and be bad at something, and it'll just disappear. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. or some. Audi- but I wouldn't if I didn't find a way in. I wouldn't to like believe myself in the part. I would pass a not audition like yeah. a dummy. Well, you never know. It might be like, like sometimes I think oh, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to, you know, this, I don't, I haven't got this. I haven't found a way in. And then you go in and there's a little bit of magic in the room, but sometimes it doesn't. You, you know, take a shit all over that room, but whatever. But who cares? Who yeah. cares? So it's like, keep, keep going. Yeah. Well, listen, I thank you so much for sitting down with me. Um, I, I want everybody, there will be links to all of Aaron's social media. Um, and her, our show, our which show, everybody should watch. Your Children's Hospital. I don't know if yeah. there's a link for that yet, but it's Children Children's Hospital. I think you can off. go back and watch the original Children's Hospital. So go do on that. We'll put, we'll put links to all that. And yeah. thank you. And uh, Thanks, friend. by the time everybody hears this, they will hopefully know us from our huge and friends. <laughs> All right. It was so nice to get to hang with Erin after not having seen her in a while. I'd like to give you three major takeaways from these conversations. So here we go. Number one, we use this as our guest quote to open the episode. Erin said, if there's some sort of defeat or some sort of no, take what you can from it, salvage it and move on. This is so important and every guest has expressed some version of this thought, but I wanted to also point out how this is not just how Erin deals with her career, it's also what she and her husband have done when renovating their house, which makes me think of another mantra of a lot of my guests, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Reframe, 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 and magically every setback is just another lesson along the way. Number two, Aaron said, stop waiting. Don't just believe the hype that people are saying, just get a little hungrier. And she said she had some regret about not doing this in her 20s. It's a great reminder to all of us that we need to take responsibility for what we're doing or not doing 
and make a conscious choice to get into the driver's seat of our own life so we're not just passengers in everyone else's journey. Number three, Aaron said, I guess the word no just means find a different yes. Just let it go quickly and then move on to the next opportunity. And I think that letting go is important. I tell my son that in sports all the time. If you're thinking about the last play, you're never going to make the next play. Doesn't mean you don't go work on yourself, but to beat yourself up forever for something is just not smart or productive. And so I am not going to beat a dead horse right now. That is it for my takeaways and the episode. Thank you all for listening. If you like what you heard, please share the show with your friends, your followers on social media. If you feel like it might help them in some way, encourage them to keep going or just entertain them. That's our goal. People hear these stories and realize if it can happen to these people and they can keep going, why can't I? If the show helps one person, I'm happy. So please share it. And if you're not subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, just sign up so you get these episodes on your device every week. If you liked my conversation with Aaron, you may want to check out these past episodes. Filmmaker Mark Duplass, Emmy Award-winning actor Richard Schiff, comedian, actor, podcaster Brian Callen, or my conversation with actor Eric Christian Olson. All of them are wise souls like Aaron, and those links will be in our show notes. Next week, we have another treat for you, particularly if you're in the entertainment industry or you're just a big fan. We have Mad Men's Emmy Award-winning casting director, Carrie Audino. She sits down with me and gives some really great perspective from the other side of the lens. She also talks about her forthcoming podcast, It's Not Personal, where she'll be sitting down with some pretty big stars and talking about their journeys as actors. A reminder, follow me on social media for announcements and promo videos of who's next. Those handles are at Maddie Dell on Instagram, at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at info at 10,000nos.com. That's the number 10,100000nos.com if you want to be added to our mailing list. Okay, that's it. Thanks again. If you haven't watched Aaron and I on Huge in France on Netflix yet, go check it out and we'll see you again next Friday. Thank you. 